Hey, are you struggling with creative ways to show up on social media? Dan Peterson is in the house. And yes, I said the name Dan. My first ever male guest is on the show and he did not disappoint. Dan is a sales and digital marketing expert with 25 years of experience in small business. In 2012, he started Flip Switch Social Media, a nationally recognized social media agency focused on helping small businesses grow their social presence and drive more revenue. There are so many juicy nuggets in this episode. Plus, I throw Dan in the hot seat with a mom question. Let's dive in. Hey there, mom boss. Welcome to the Social Media for Mompreneurs podcast, where we dive into personal branding, how to build our businesses on social media, learn some really cool marketing hacks, all while balancing family life. And don't forget, we do it the fun and easy way. I'm Allison Scholes, once a corporate marketing coordinator, a teacher, and now photographer and podcaster. And yes, I'm that boss lady in sweatpants. Go ahead and hand out the kids' tablets, open those juice boxes, put on your comfy sweatpants, and hide in your closet. Let's get this party started. Hey, Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Oh, glad to have you here. Now, today we are chatting about how to creatively grow our presence on social media. But before we dive into that, tell us more about you and your business. Sure. So I started Flip Switch uh, eight years ago now. So it was eight years in uh, April of 2020. And that uh, started as a solution for small business owners who didn't have deep pockets, deep budgets, but needed social media help. And originally it was web design. We did the first two years um, solely web design. But then after that, we became a social media house. And now we have clients all over the country and uh, we just keep helping as many small businesses as we can. So it's working out well for them and for us. And we're just having a lot of fun doing it. That's really cool. Now, Dan, it's no surprise that you are the first ever male guest on my show. So before we dive in, we're just going to have a little fun. I know you work from home and your wife is a stay-at-home mom. So I want to know, what do you think your wife would say is the hardest part about being a stay-at-home mom? Probably working with me <laughs> or having me in the house working while she's trying to run the house. Um, but seriously, she's probably, uh, she would probably say, um, you know, pre-pandemic, it would have been just um, running the, the three kids. You know, we have, I have three girls. Um, 10, eight and one, and just keeping them on schedule with all of their different activities and all the stuff that they do is a full-time job that, I mean, we all know being a stay-at-home mom is the hardest thing really you can do. I mean, it's just such a hard job and uh, she does such a great job of it. But um, other than that, kind of seriously though, working with me in the house is a struggle. It's, it's hard to have that, uh, to keep the kids quiet, you know, and try to keep them especially right now with everybody being at home, trying to keep them uh, out of my hair and I'm trying to stay out of their hair. And that's, it's a hard, hard thing to do, but we're making it work. Well, I can certainly relate to that because I have two boys and a high schooler and in junior high, and I was so used to having my space working. Mm -hmm. And now they're at home needing extra space for e-learning and my husband's at home as well. And he pretty much took over my office so adjusting to that, where I'm used to being a stay-at-home mom, but I don't want to be a stay-at-home anymore. <laughs> right. I actually want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. It's, it, you know, and it's, uh, 
we could have a whole conversation around this, but it's a very difficult thing for people that aren't used to it. Now, I was already working from home mostly. I have an office in my house and I have an office about 20 minutes from my house. And uh, I rarely go to that office. I pretty much solely either work from home or I go out and meet with as many clients as I can on a local basis. Uh, most of our clients are in other states, like 90% of them. But because of that, I love to meet with the local people because, you know, I just like to shake hands and all that. But now you can't even shake hands anymore. So No, no, right? <laughs> Depending on when you're listening to this, we're in the middle of the pandemic still. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> so let me ask you, was there a major hurdle for you to get over when you started your own business? Yeah, so this is the uh, second business that I've had. Um, I used to run multiple door-to-door sales offices. I managed one in Chicago and I owned one in Champaign, Illinois and one in Houston. And that was interesting in and of itself. But then when I transitioned from that into the consulting company that became FlipSwitch, it was, it was difficult because you have to find an area that needs to be served and you have to provide value. And at the, like I said before, the goal of FlipSwitch, is, it was and always is, to provide really, really valuable service at a price that's affordable. So all these other companies are out there charging, you know, hundreds and even multiple thousands of dollars a month for small businesses, and they just can't afford that. So we tried to find a different way. And um, the biggest hurdle, I think, was trying to find the perfect price point, which I don't know if you ever really come up with that, but I think we've settled on that area now. Um, But that was a difficulty in the beginning because nobody knew and still don't know what uh, what social media is worth. So it's easy to put a price tag on something that's intangible. And you can say, well, this takes us this many hours to do, or, you know, it's like, what is that worth? So there's a lot of price gouging in our industry. Um, and I am not ashamed to say that there are a lot of companies out there that are taking advantage of the lack of knowledge of business owners. Um, we try to make our money in volume. And that's been the goal since day one. So it's that that was a big hurdle. Uh, the other thing would be providing a streamlined system for ourselves to work within so that that streamlined structure as a business owner to come up with that and figure out a way to be profitable and be uh, really on top of all of our client cases without costing us so much overhead that we couldn't do it at the price point we wanted to do it at. So those are probably the two biggest hurdles. But Oh, and I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure so many entrepreneurs out there can totally relate, especially going back to pricing. That is a huge struggle for so many because we want to serve, we want to help, and we're so proud of what we've built. But then when you have to flip the switch and say, now I have to charge for my time, that's really hard to do, no matter where you're at in your business or how little or how big that price point will be. So you're not the only one. (laughs) Right. Well, now here's something funny too, Allison. So when we started, our pricing was too low. We actually had a hard time getting business because people didn't see perceived value at our price point. So we actually have raised the price two or three times in the first few years. Now we're settled on a price. We don't raise it. I always say like, we're not the cable company. We're not going to keep jacking up your rates. But um, the first couple of years, we had to figure out why are people not perceiving there to be any value in this. It's like, well, and somebody finally flat out told us, it's like, well, there's no way you can do everything you say you're going to do at that price point. And I, that hit home for me. And I was like, wow. So I guess we'll charge double. So if we increased our price by a, a little over two X, I would say two and a half times what we were charging. And then people were like, oh, 
I'll pay that because there's obviously perceived value there. So, um, but we, with that, we added a lot of service too. So it's not like we're, you know, we weren't really, we would never have been able to do it at that lower price point. So we had to raise it anyway, but when we were young and dumb, we didn't know any better, but Right. So that's an interesting point about value and perceived value with pricing. Absolutely. Now, the name of your business is Flip Switch. So let's flip the conversation over to pivoting. Many, many entrepreneurs and mompreneurs had to make some changes or pivots in their business during the coronavirus. I would love for you to share ways they can get creative to maintain or grow their online presence. So I'll probably try to break this up into like two or three chunks. So if you are currently running an online business pre-lockdown, pre-pandemic, and you're not a brick and mortar business, you're solely online. The biggest thing that we're seeing people do that's successful and the biggest way that they can become more creative and innovative is to do more with the different tools that social media channels have. So for example, instead of just posting on Facebook or posting on Instagram, going live on Facebook and going live on Instagram is a step above. And a lot of people aren't comfortable doing that. They're not used to getting their face on camera, right? Mm -hmm. They're not, they, they worry too much about perfection, which is a big killer of progress. And people don't feel like they can just go out and do the, you know, make the content that they need to make. And so they sit on their hands and kind of just wait and wait and wait. And by the time they've pulled the trigger on it, their competition has already passed them up because they, they didn't wait. So the biggest thing that they can do in that regard is to just start creating that content at a different level than they already were doing. Use the tools. And, and recently, uh, as of uh, right now, in May of 2020, Instagram and Facebook just came out with some new tools for that exact purpose. There's different things now that they've integrated within live and within stories and these different things. So they're coming up with different ways. Business owners need to stay on top of that and, and utilize those extra tools. Uh, the second thing is if, if you do have a brick and mortar store and now you're forced to either not sell uh, or serve within that store and you're having to work from home or work remotely or go online, uh, we're finding creative ways that businesses are coming up with for that as well. So one example that we've seen is uh, clothing stores. There is a small family owned boutique clothing store that's uh, here in Chicagoland and they always were brick and mortar. They didn't really sell online, but what they started doing is running um, Facebook Live and Instagram Live videos where they would walk through the store, they would show their clothing and talk about it, almost like an infomercial. It's like, here we have this you know, bright yellow dress with <laughs> lace and whatever. You can tell that, um, you can tell I don't buy dresses very often. <laughs> but uh, they go through the store and they showcase some of their items and people can actually pick out that item and say the size that they want and the business can ship it to them and they can come up with that sales process right there on the fly. So taking it a step beyond just e-commerce, they're actually, we're, you know, we're seeing business owners get really creative with some of the ways that they're starting to sell through social media channels. And, um, and that's a big plus because here's what's going to happen. When everything gets back to whatever the new normal is and people can start shopping again, you're going to have your old way of doing things which worked for you for years and you're going to have the new way that you had to start doing and then you combine the two and now you have two sales processes that are potentially going to double or triple your revenue once you get back to that normal so i think that what the point of you know we have this pivot don't panic campaign i talk about it all the time 
and it's hashtag pivot, don't panic. And we talk about how businesses get creative and innovative. And one of the things that we're seeing and hoping for is that businesses use these tools and their new ideas and their creativity right now to help them get through this time, but then add that to what they were already doing and come out ahead on the back end. So I, I hope that kind of answers that question without going off on a tangent, but there's a lot of creative ways that we're seeing small businesses start using these tools online. And what would you say to someone who immediately they're thinking, well, I'm not a creative person. How would you respond to that? Because I, I can guarantee that is floating in some of our listeners' minds right now. They're like, well, I'm not creative or I'm not innovative. Okay, so two ways. One is to cheat. <laughs> so <laughs> here's what I mean by that. Uh, go online, find people in your industry, find other businesses in your industry and pull off of their ideas. If it's somebody that's eight states away, nobody is going to know that you pulled their exact idea and started using it in your business in your town. If you have a larger scale business where you potentially are, are going to um, sell, let's say nationally to people and you really have a presence where uh, you could be seen as copycatting something that's really specific, then you might need to tweak it a little bit. But honestly, the chances of that are slim to none. So don't worry about you utilizing what other businesses are doing. Go ahead and find what's working for them and use it. There's nothing wrong with that. People do it all the time. People have done it since the beginning of business. I mean, there's all kinds of things that businesses have done forever where they've pulled from other ideas. Um, but that's a big thing that we're already seeing businesses do. And we're recommending that some of our clients even do it. It's like, hey, you know what? To, to get creative and to find other ideas, see what's working with other businesses. Uh, so that's one thing. The second thing would be to speak with other people in your small circle. So speak with family members and friends and tap into their brains and say, hey, you know me, you know my business. I'm really struggling to be creative. Do you have any ideas? Like you, if you were a customer, what would you like to see from me? And to take this actually a step further for like a third point, you could run online polls run a Facebook poll or an Instagram poll asking, what would you like to see? The biggest thing that people don't do enough on social media is listen. They don't listen to their audience. And if there's one key point out of this whole conversation that we had, this might be it right here. Mm, absolutely. Listen, listen to your audience. They will tell you what's working, what's not working. They will tell you what they'd like to see and what they don't like to see. And sometimes they might not tell you directly. You might have to read between the lines and look at data and say, oh, well, these posts are not performing well. Why is that? It must be because that's not a popular type of thing on, in my channel or whatever. Um, but these other posts are just killing it. People really love it when I go out and do these live videos or when I do this or that. Double down on that. Throw out the stuff that doesn't work. Double down on the stuff that does work. And then rinse and repeat. And keep, we, you know, we do this at Flip Switch. We A-B everything. We do A-B testing. So you post type A and type B, which one works? keep that one, get rid of the other one. Then do A and C and keep the one that works and get rid of the other one and back and forth for months and months at a time. And that really is effective. So, Well, thank you for saying listen to your audience because I hear over and over from frustrated entrepreneurs and they'll come to me and say, social media is not working for me. But I'll look at their stuff and I'll say, well, you have the second part, right? The media, because it's just a billboard of all your things but they always forget about the first word, social. <laughs> right. That's what social media is. 
be social, which means you need to interact with your audience. It's not about you just blasting your billboard out there and expecting people just to flock to you. And it's a combination of being social and listening, and you have to have that back and forth conversation constantly going. And you have to constantly ask for feedback if you want to grow your presence on social media. That is 100% correct. And we talk about this all the time. In fact, you took the words right out of my mouth. I've said it. I do a lot of seminars, and a lot of lunch and learns and stuff. And one of the things I say a lot is the keyword of social media is social. You're supposed to be interacting with people. You're supposed to be engaging and most of all listening for that feedback. And again, sometimes it's not an actual verbal or typed out piece of feedback. They're not necessarily commenting and saying, here's what we like and don't like. Sometimes you just have to go from a data-driven perspective and really look at your posts and compare that type of content. Look at everything you put out and see what's, see what's working and, um, and keep what works and get rid of what doesn't. So sometimes listening is a little more active than just literally looking at what their comments are, but, but you're 100% correct. So what is your best piece of advice you can share with moms who are feeling stuck growing their online presence? Well, I think that the hardest thing right now is overcoming some of the mental hurdles that people have, whether it's pre or uh, post pandemic, or if you're in the middle of this and we're listening right now, it's really been an issue without even just what's going on in the world right now. People have always gotten in their own way, right? So I think some of the biggest things that we tell people is go ahead and just start doing and don't let the lack of perceived creativity or lack of perceived value or whatever your hurdle is, your mental hurdle, thinking nobody's going to want to see my post, nobody's going to want to interact with my brand, nobody's going to want to buy my stuff, whatever the case is, get those mental hurdles out of your way because that's the first step. Once that's gone, then you can just create with freedom. And the biggest thing is, is create, create, create. Just put out content in waves. Put out as much content as you can that's you know, correct for your type of brand and your audience. Obviously, you don't want to go overboard, but most people don't even scratch the surface. So before you start thinking you're overposting or anything, just start posting. You're probably not putting out even a quarter of the content that you should be. So get out of your own way, start creating content, and then look at the data and take that data and build your campaign ongoingly around what you're looking at. So if you're seeing that these types of posts, and I've said it just a minute ago, but if you're seeing that certain types of content are doing well, keep up with that because that's perfect ex- a perfect example of what's working for you. And then do away with the stuff that's not. And that's a good way to use data to get out of your own way as well. Um, so go ahead. I think that that Well, I think think that's that's a really good point, Dan, because when you said get out of your own way and start creating data or creating content, I think a lot of us, I'm sure you'll agree with this, we are so overwhelmed with so much content that the problem is, I think, and I was stuck in this too, I think the problem with social media and entrepreneurs is we are consuming so much content that we are not creating enough of our own. And that's where the mental blocks kind of come in. So that's when you almost need to put your blinders on and stop consuming so much content and create your own and just keep putting it out there. Yes. And you know, another thing that I would add is compartmentalizing. So 
as a stay-at-home mom, for example, if you're working in your business and you're at home and you have kids and you're trying to deal with the family structure and the business structure, you really have to separate the two. And moreover, you need to set yourself up for success in your business by having a literal compartmentalization in your home. So what I mean by that is mentally you have to do it, but physically you need a workspace that allows you to separate yourself from the kids, from the family. When you get that time, whether dad's coming home and, and watching the kids and you take that 30 minutes or an hour to do what you need to do, or it's nap time or play time or whatever the case is, you have a set space in your home where you are able to get away. It's fairly soundproof, so you're not interrupted. And you set up that structure at home to say, okay, look, kids, mom is doing this right now. I need you to, it's very important that you don't make noise or you don't come interrupt me because I'm on an important call or whatever the case is, but you set those expectations. And when you set those expectations, now, of course, they're kids, right? They don't always listen. But <laughs> over time, it really does work to a certain degree. I mean, I have to do this at my home, right? I have kids in the background, they're yelling, they're fighting, they're carrying on. You have to set those expect expectations and allow yourself to have the opportunity to be successful. And that takes away a lot of stress. Once it starts working and you figured it out, that alleviates some of that mental hurdle of, man, I've like, I can't get on this call or I can't do this because they're going to interrupt me or, you know, just there's a lot of different ways you can look at it and slice and dice it. But setting yourself up like that is a big issue with stay at home workers. So, yeah. So not only do we have to have streamlined processes in our business, we also have to have those streamlined processes at home as well. That way we're not functioning in chaos day after day. Cause my kids knew for this interview they knew well in advance you are not to run up the stairs like a herd of cows because my microphone will pick that up so they know that my door is shut there's a sticky note on the door saying do not disturb and you know what they can have as much youtube time as they can or as they want so i can get what i need done <laughs> that's right that's an exact example of what i'm talking about you set it up you've set those expectations, you put systems in place, whether it's a sticky note or a, a street barricade across your door, whatever the case is, you've put it in place so that you know you've got this time to get done what you need to get done and they know that mom's busy. And that's a key element of staying at home and working at home. And I don't think enough people do that. I really don't. I think a lot of people expect it to go smoothly without putting those processes in place and you're just setting yourself up for failure. I've been doing it for four years and there's still messy days. Like, I don't think it's ever a hundred percent streamlined, no. but I agree. You have to implement those processes and make sure those expectations are noted. So what is something you wish you would have known sooner when it comes to social media? You know, my biggest issue was exactly what I was just talking about. So getting out of my own way. I think that if I had known for example, I just started my personal brand, Dan Peterson Official. I just started it uh, two months ago, which if you're listening to this, that would have been March of 2020. And in March of 2020, I wish I had started in March of 2015 because I could have been doing five years more of this. But you know, hindsight's 2020 and you can't go back and, and do it over. So you just have to start. And I think that's the biggest thing that I wish I had known or somebody had just kicked me in the pants and said, hey, why aren't you doing this? Why didn't you start a personal brand five years ago or four years ago or two years ago? Like anything, like why weren't you doing this? 
And another thing, even with my business, we weren't using social media for our own selves. We were doing it for everybody else and we weren't doing it internally for ourselves. And ironically, we were a digital marketing company. I mean, still are, but we didn't use digital marketing to get our business. We were too busy doing um, seminars and lunch and learns and doing, we get a lot of referral work and we work through a lot of chambers of commerce and we just do a lot of older school type of marketing and it works. Don't get me wrong. It works, but we could have been coupling that with digital and really benefiting from it. And instead, literally just at the end of 2019, we started really pushing our own social media. And so we're years behind where we could have been for the company as well. We've been blessed to have business without it, but I'm just always in the back of my mind, like what could we have done if we had done it earlier? How much farther along could we be at this point? But we were the shoemakers whose kids had no shoes. <laughs> so I have a exactly. follow-up question to that to Dan Peterson official. I'm curious, why do you think a personal brand is important? I want to know your opinion on this. So your personal brand is your reputation played out digitally, so to speak. So it gives you, there, there's probably three main reasons. Uh, one, it gives you the ability to put out your resume, your living resume in digital format. So depending on how you set up your brand, I mean, my brand is really um, the thoughts that are inside of my head played out into posts. Um, and I didn't realize this until just recently that all of the posts that I put out, if you go to my page, it's at Dan Peterson official. If you go look at that, those posts are me talking to myself. It was me motivating myself and putting that into post format. So whatever those posts are each day, if you look at them and you go back the last two months and look, you'll know what was on my brain in my head that very day. And some of them are like, get up and go work. You know, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but it's like, <laughs> get out of your way and just go do it. And other ones are, you know, different content. But so that was a, a big thing. But uh, a personal brand, I think for most people is something that, well, let me rephrase this. I think everybody should do it. I think no matter what you think you have to offer, you have something to offer. It could be that you're a social media expert. It could be that you love fashion and you just love wearing the cool, new, trendy clothes. Wear them. Make a brand about that. Be the consumer. You don't have to be the creator of that brand, right? You don't have to be the dressmaker. You can be the dress wearer. And you can put on that pretty dress that you like and you can go out there and show it on your social media channels and build that brand around yourself. And you never know where that might lead. You might hit the right post at the right time with the right viewer who's like, wow, like she'd be perfect for our company. Let's make her a brand rep. And next thing you know, three years down the line, you've got 10,000 followers and you're making money to just put on and take pictures of yourself in that dress that you would have worn anyway. And just little things that people don't realize there's so much power in with social media these days. I hope that kind of answers the question. I know we go off on tangents there, but there's a lot of reasons that people do it. For me, it was getting the creative side out of my brain and into a uh, post format where other people can see it and try to help others. When I look at your company, Flip Switch, and then I see Dan Peterson Official, I think people are going to vibe with Dan Peterson Official because at the end of the day, I don't think what people realize about social media is people don't buy from companies. They buy from people. So that's why I think yep. it's so imperative that you need to represent yourself and represent what you stand for. And not only that, how are you going to serve the people who need you? That's your personal brand. 
And that's why I think right. it's so important to represent that on social media. And hey, you're doing a great job. So, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so, Dan, before we end started. today, yeah, well, keep going. Before we end today, where can we connect with you on social media? So, for Flip Switch, you can find us as Flip Switch Social Media on both uh, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, it's at Flip Switch LLC on Twitter and, of course, on LinkedIn and, and that as well. For Dan Peterson, it's at Dan Peterson Official on all those same channels. So um, I'd be happy to connect with everybody on both, but it's two totally separate things because, again, Flip Switch is all about the social media as a brand, and Dan Peterson is all about the more motivating, helping, mental side of things on the back end. So two different things. Awesome. Well, I will make sure that it's in the show notes and on the website, all of your information, but I can't thank you enough for being on the show today, Dan. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in today. If you love today's episode, then please head over to iTunes, social media for mompreneurs and leave a review. Your review helps grow the show. And don't forget, head to bossladyandsweatpants.com to grab all my freebies and hang out with me on Instagram at Allison Scholes. I'll see you soon.